Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here is your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. So good to have you with us, everybody. We're excited to have you be in here and with us. Let's get rid of that music there. It's always good to have it, but it's also good to get rid of it. <laughs> Don't want the competition. Anyway, it's good to have you with us Monday, August 17th. Gosh, how the time does fly. And I am excited about each one of our broadcasts we do as we see many of you dialing in and joining here, dialing in. It's it's fun. It's amazing to me that how many people take the time to dial with a cell phone in. Now, we know we got, I don't know how many hundreds if not thousands that are dialing in and listening on a basis of uh, through the internet by clicking directly there. Also, you can listen by the iPhone app or any of your MP3 devices. You can listen to the, you know, through to the broadcast on a downloaded basis after the fact, but we appreciate you tuning in and being a part of the broadcast. Lots of people dialing in today. It's a good topic we've got. This is the last in the series of innovation that we're doing. Very excited to have Donna Peoples with us. Donna was instrumental at turning around the United Guarantee uh, Mortgage Insurance Company. And when that went through its uh, struggles, and it's exciting to hear how innovation played a role in that turnaround. She has four principles we're going to be talking about, something that I think you'll all benefit from. But also just want to say thank you for each one of you dialing in, as well as our special uh, regular guests, Joe Farr and Alice Alvey. Andy Shell is traveling today and on business, so he will not be joining with us. So we're working our way through the summer holidays. Alice and Joe were gone. Alice was on vacation. Joe was out at a couple of conferences and doing some traveling business travel himself. But we got them back, but we're missing the Andy, so the profit doctor. But anyway, good to have you joining with us, listeners. And I want to just start off by saying, again, this broadcast is created for you, mortgage professionals, for it's by mortgage professionals, for mortgage professionals, and we're the proud recipient of the Innovation Award from Progress and Lending. I want to say a special thank you to United Guarantee. And by the way, United Guarantee had nothing to do with getting our guest on the broadcast today. They didn't say, hey, could you get Donna on there and tell about our story? She actually just came on and is just really excited to have her here. Uh, I found out as I was reading articles about what Donna Peoples had uh, wrote about and some innovative things that she had been writing about, I saw that she was affiliated with United Guarantee. So I was excited to hear that story. And it is a good story. And we're going to talk about it. By the way, have you noticed that uh, I was talking last week briefly about this, but I want to go touch on it again. United Guarantee is the most profitable uh, number one leader in the MI industry for the fourth consecutive year in a row. Now, some people caught on to their press release that said their net operating income decreased to $157 million compared to the $210 million the prior year. But, you know, you have to keep in mind that was it was a result of the prior year's loss reserves. And that really that really put them in a place. If you would add that back in, they were up. 19 million increase in income, not a drop in income. And it was a 16% compared to the prior year. So very exciting developments that are going on. Very profitable company. Their net premiums written increased 11% to $277 million compared to the prior year quarter. And there also you'll look at the overall domestic first lien new insurance written. That's at all new NEW, new 
NIW, and I remember working with them, uh, NIW, new insurance written, and it jumped to $15.2 billion. So we're going to hear about that. That's an increase, by the way, of 37%. So great news for them. And uh, we're just proud and honored to have the number one MI company be our sponsor of this broadcast. Now, I know we have other MI companies listed in the broadcast, and we welcome all of you guys to listen to the broadcast. We're just really blessed and honored to have United Guarantee as our sponsor. Also, special thank you goes out to Velma, which stands for the Virtual Electronic Marketing Assistant. They are dedicated to helping you build stronger, more profitable relationships. And they have a wonderful set it and forget it auto campaign. But then if you're like me, who are you sending emails just before the broadcast? Hey, can you get an email blast out? We've got Donna Peoples on as a guest and they get it out and they get it done for you. So they're there agile as ever. I'm just so happy with the relationship we have with Velma, Virtual Electronic Marketing Assistant. Check them out, Velma.com, V-E-L-M-A.com. Also, a special thank you always goes out to Alice, Joe, and Andy who joined me on this broadcast. Many of you comment about their contribution to the broadcast. And it is just so special and um, really appreciate having everyone here. we got some NBA conferences coming up, the national conference that's coming up. But you know what? I'm speaking at a couple of events, DNH's convention, uh, their connections convention in San Diego starts August 31st. I'll be out in San Diego speaking and participating in that. Hope to see many of you there. Literally thousands of people show up for that big, big conference. And I'm also going to be at Motivity's uh, uh, event and their annual user conference. And a few weeks later, and then I'm also speaking at the New England Mortgage Banking Conference out in Newport, Rhode Island, really excited to be out there talking about a lot of things near and dear to my heart and very near to what I'm going to be doing with the new consulting business that are launching September 1st, and that's Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Good to have you with us. Again, let's get into what's going on with the markets. Joe Farr, good hey, to have you back. Missed you, man. I, I try to cover your stuff the same, but you know what? It It's just not. When you and Alice are gone, uh, there's the voids. But anyway, what's going on with the markets today, my friend? Well, we're we're up a little bit today. Um, MBS prices improved after a very weak uh, Empire State Index yeah, came out. Uh, very disappointing. Yeah, they're, they're currently up uh, uh, four to five thirty seconds. And yeah, the 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 Empire State Index is you know it's not a big indicator, but boy, when something misses as much as it did, it it came in at down nineteen point nine when uh, uh, plus five was anticipated and. Uh, to give you a sense, uh, um, readings below zero indicate a contraction. And so, you know, minus 19.9 is pretty significant mm, contraction. Significant, so, huge. Uh, but again, it's only one regional index. So we'll see how others come out. But Joe, on. but we've talked about that being, even though it's a regional Northeast New York index, it it is indicative of other markets. I mean, it is, the reason they use that is because it does give us some you know indication of what could be going on in other uh manufacturing markets so right be, right yeah. but you know it, it, and then there's philly fed and that's a that's an yeah. indication of activity in that market but we just had industrial production which is uh, yeah. an activity on a nationwide basis that uh, uh came in much better than what yeah. the, the New York uh, Empire. So maybe it's maybe that's a story about their tax base. We got to, we could we yeah. could we could bag on their tax base if that if they get their taxes figured out where they quit taxing companies and you know they I look at all these ads about the free tax zone here and then you come to bring move your business to ta to New York and I go and 
You're kidding. Move your business to New York. You're out of your mind. Why would you do that with the tax base? So there, maybe that is an indication of why that one's taking a hit. I don't know, but it's good to point yeah. out the national one was actually a, a tick up better, but that was right. disappointing news today. So also we have the coming out today, the National Association of Home Builders. That's going to be real interesting. Yeah. Has that already come out? That's come yeah. out, and the survey indicated that uh, it came in pretty much as expected and a little better than last month. But you'll remember last month was the best in a long time. This month is the best, uh, is better than that. So at yeah. a reading of 61, it's the best reading since 2005. So that is good news, and especially with the inventory issues, it should stay good. Builders should be feeling good about the markets when, you know, absolutely. So anyway, last week, let's cover that. So a little bit, of, always surprise surprises out there in China messing well, it up. China did it. Yeah. Yeah. They announced they're devaluing their currency and that really had a, had a, it was a surprise. So it had a big effect across the world. Uh, in the U S stocks fell and MBS prices rose. Uh, other, other stock, uh, markets were rattled by the news and, uh, uh, you know, the, the only good thing, uh, for the U.S. is that it had a, a, an effect of uh, uh, reducing MBS, uh, increasing MBS prices, reducing rates. Um, you know that 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 one move could have a number of longer-term effects on our economy. When you think about uh, things going on, the immediate effect was MBS prices improved because stocks sold off hard. Um, and, and then and then you look at what that move could do as it relates to inflation. Uh, one thing it's going to do is going to make uh, exports to China uh, harder, uh, which means we may see a slowdown in activity. Uh, it's going to make imported goods from China cost less, uh, which is good. Commodity prices fell on the news. And, and it could have been, uh, some people read the move as a signal that uh, that China's growth rate was slowing more than had been expected. And so. Uh, all those things combined for a, uh, uh, an outlook that would show inflation maybe rising less than it would otherwise. And then you ask yourself, uh, does this have any effect on the Fed and their decision to raise rates? Uh, it certainly is not going to make them more likely to raise rates. And so if anything, it, it, it would go the other way. So that was a big event. Uh, but for, uh, unfortunately, that event, and the improvement in prices didn't last very long because following that Tuesday uh, announcement by China, we saw improved economic data coming out of the U.S. Uh, first thing was retail sales on Thursday uh, came in slightly above expectations. But you'll recall last month, June's retail sales were uh, uh, negative uh, so, and and they were revised significantly higher. And so uh, they went from negative one-tenth to positive four-tenths. So that's the ex-auto measure, and, and uh, that was a big improvement. Uh, jobless claims remain uh, low, and then on Friday, PPI uh, came in a little higher than expected. Uh, it came in at three-tenths when one-tenth was expected. And then industrial production, as I mentioned earlier, uh, came in at six-tenths when three-tenths was expected. So that improving economic data had the effect of offsetting the benefit that came from China's announcement. We ended up for the week, we lost about 6.30 seconds. Uh, you know, when, when you're, you sit here and stare at these, you know, all, all this stuff, and you look at the markets and what's happening, I'm going to talk about this week in just a minute, but you, you look at all this, it's, how would you characterize, is this considered mixed economic data on a macro look back up and look at the, 
forest for the trees. Is it mixed or are we start seeing more negative on a consistent basis? What's your, what's your read on that? Someone was asking me that the other day and asked me to get your opinion on it. Well, I think it's mixed. I mean, we're seeing some, some improving improvements where we'd had some weakness and we're seeing some weakness where things have been improving. So, I mean, retail sales is a good example. It, it kind of bounced back and uh, maybe it wasn't bouncing from something as bad as it was uh, thought of. Uh, jobs have continued to be consistently in the 200,000 plus range. And that's, that's indicative of 3% growth. So that's not bad, but you know, every now and then you get a measure like this uh, empire state index where it, kind of throws you into questioning are things really getting better yeah well let's talk about this week we got a pretty full economic calendar so why don't you run through it yeah uh housing data we'll get a little more housing data with housing starts coming out tomorrow and then existing home sales comes out on thursday uh cpi comes out on uh, wednesday at eight thirty, and then the minutes from the july 8th fed meeting comes out at two o'clock on wednesday uh, Philly Fed jobless claims leading indicator all come out on Thursday. So, existing home sales, yeah, you know, yeah, a couple of big events with existing home sales and with uh, the Fed minutes coming out. Yeah, those are those are probably going to be the biggest insights. Give us insights. You know, when you when you hear Dennis Lockhart, the president of the Atlanta Federal Reserve, uh, make the comments that he did that he's ready to raise interest rates um, fed excuse raise the fed funds rate as early as september and it sounded like he had more support than many people thought so you look at that you go very interesting where does where yeah. where yeah and what's the impact on it so we did we did when interest rates when they're back at under four percent based on the freddie mac rate survey and so we're back under four percent but if we see those rates jump back up you know we watched what happened and it was new home sales and uh pending home sales numbers definitely reflected a hit uh when we saw that up above so we're seeing some hopefully we'll see some better numbers but existing home sales is a rear view mirror look but it'll be uh, real interesting to look at that so good stuff it's a great website you have joe and the information that's up here i just love it because it's so concise and to the point um you got crystal ball for the FOMC meeting minutes. Any no, we haven't been getting any surprises, but Lockhart's comments made me go, hmm, I wonder if they're yeah. going to bring clarity to that on Wednesday. I don't think so, Dave. I, I think that it's going to be a whole lot more of the same and yep. uh, probably won't have much effect on the market. Uh, that's my crystal ball anyway. Same old, same old. Well, Joe, thank you so much for being here with us each and every week. We missed you, man. Just not the same. I could try to read it and do it, but sorry. <laughs> it's not the same without you doing it, bud. Thanks. Folks, we're going we're gonna to be right back after this brief break and uh, looking forward to having another person been on vacation with us back, Alice Alvey, right back after this break. Looking for that competitive edge? MBS Quoteline delivers live market coverage for originators. Get up-to-the-minute mortgage market news and analysis as events occur. Get MBS prices as trades happen. Straight to your computer, email, cell phone, or PDA. Know in advance when your investors will reprice. Make better lock float decisions and increase your income. Be the expert your clients expect. And know what's moving interest rates right now, tomorrow, and beyond. MBS Quoteline, delivering live market coverage for originators. Learn more about MBS Quoteline today at MBS mbsquoteline.com mbsquoteline.com 646-716-4972 the Lickin' on lending show is back here is your host david Lickin. 
Someone just shot me a note and said, hey, where's Paul Malo? He's taking a vacation or doing something. He's out vacating, so he's not going to be with us today. But I do have his website up here, so I'll cover it real quickly. Again, check out imfnews.com. Get signed up for that newsletter. A lot of great information in there. Uh, he talks about uh, GSE MBS issuance continues to increase, partly due to the seasonal loans. Seasoned loans. Uh, so there's that article. John Bancroft's got an article out about that. You know, it's it's there's U.S. timeshare delinquencies. I don't know why we go into that, but I mean that he's got that up there on the short takes. I mean, there's a lot of information on the short takes that really captures my attention. Looking at Neighborhood Watch back online, it was down delinquencies decline, high loan amounts in the at FHA, but the MBA. Um, uh, then he goes into giving a little bit about the NBA summer lobbying agenda. So uh, some great information. Check it out. We'll look forward to having Paul back next week. Appreciate him taking time to be here on the on the broadcast. So uh, without further ado, let's get Alice Alvey back. I was up in Alice, Alice country, Alice land, as we refer to it when I fly into Detroit. And uh, Alice, I know you were on vacation and didn't get a chance to connect with you, but I was at Ross Mortgage and we were filming a segment with uh, your good friend David Lord about the the visual system of work that David's so famous for, and uh, what a great time we had! And but he, I'd, Tim took me down to, uh, and I stayed at the at the Detroit Athletic Club, and he walked me through what's going on downtown. Alice, it is nothing less than astounding, and we can really thank uh, Dan Gilbert for of Quicken Loans and what he's done down there. It is just nothing less than amazing to see the revitalization of that otherwise decimated community. So anyway, you're back and Detroit's back. Yeah, we're doing great. Uh, I have to thank the Illiches too. There are definitely a couple of uh, uh, very important people dedicated to the city of Detroit. So as a matter of fact, the young people love to go down there. So that's nice to hear too, that that next generation of, you know, late 20 and early 30 somethings is, yeah, this is where I love what's happening in Detroit. So that's yeah. good. It's good news. Well, anyway, it's good to have you back. Detroit's coming back and you're back. So uh, I know you've got a cold and you're not you're coming <laughs> off a vacation with a cold is not the good. So if Alice isn't sounding up to her normal self, that's that's why. Sorry. Oh, that's yeah. My niece, you know, the kids are all around with a cold and uh, try and keep your distance, but didn't work out. So anyway, yeah, I'll just apologize to folks for sounding groggy or if I have to put you all on mute to <laughs> that way. <laughs> um, so I'm going to keep my bit short and just uh, especially since Congress is in recent right well, recess they're off right summer break until labor day so we'll get more action from them as uh, when they come back we hope um, in the meantime everybody is very deep into trying to get the fha changes implemented and i asked our group of uh, underwriting managers um, in our risk management group what they felt were the big top things within the fha changes that they were concerned with and their group was really about like the gifts specifically needing donor bank statements. Um, that was kind of a shock for some companies on how are they going to get that, especially when the bar the donor likes to you know black out everything on this on the uh, on the statement. Um, transferring appraisals within five days, you know that you have to. Um, be careful, make sure that those, if you've got a, a case transfer, uh, for example, your borrower doesn't get approved and now the appraisal needs to be transferred to another lender. We now have a very short window to get those out. Non-taxable income being restricted to 15%, including student loan debt was a big thing. And just really, you know, uh, debts where the payment is less than 10 months can't just automatically be paid down and 
order to qualify. I'm sorry, I didn't say that right. You can't actually pay it down to less than 10 months in order to qualify in uh, in certain cases. So some really important things that we want to make sure all of our listeners are paying attention to, especially those of you on the sales side. You've got to completely relearn FHA, and of course we have all that training out there for you. Um, a few trid tidbits that are surfacing as we're getting trid? really... Oh, that, that's yeah. good. Trid Perfect. tidbits. Say that real fast. Let's see that. <laughs> Tridited bits. bits. Yeah. <laughs> That's where we're at now is trying to clean things up. And oh my gosh, you could get some compliance officers on these some of these discussion threads. We go, are you working? Are you doing anything today but sitting and bantering back and forth with other compliance officers about what you're supposed to do if the CD changes after you deliver it? Do you give another CD the day of closing? People can spend all day in email going back and forth. I know you No, we can't do that. Yes, we can. No, you can't. Yes, you can. <laughs> so it's funny. And I'm sorry. I just sit back and, I'm, you know, there's one after the other. I'm like, don't you people have to work? You know, you're just sitting in front. And so you all want to call the same sections back and forth. I'm like, all right, here's how it goes. So. Um, certainly you have to check with your legal counsel, but it's, one, we don't see that as an evolving best practice to be using the CD for repeated redisclosure, right? That's got to be the last accurate document leaving your building and you're confident you're going to close that loan with those numbers. Then from there, why not give the borrower another copy at closing? Even if they've signed it, you've executed. I don't understand this thought process of don't send it again. Um, uh, to me, the package feels incomplete. We always had a HUD-1 review process prior to closing. Why wouldn't you let the borrower kind of see that again? You know, it's just a copy to have a complete package and all of it together. But some people are feeling like, nope, you already did it. Don't send it again. Uh, maybe they're thinking there's going to be a new can of worms there uh, I, um, or that you can't. And uh, that's a difficult one. Another area that we find a lot of disagreement still on is does every single fee have to be on the loan estimate, like homeowners association dues, well and septic inspections, things you would only know if you were holding the purchase agreement and you did some additional research to find out that fee. So there are a lot of attorneys and companies are going, if you look at the CFPB examples, you've got to have every fee on the LE. So now it becomes, I have to really be clear on documenting, did I have the purchase agreement or not at the time of the LE? And that's a tough thing to document. So those are my, um, those are two of my big tidbits. My last one is the escrow waiver. Um, technically, there isn't like an escrow waiver disclosure required under CFPB with, because the CD has this disclosure on it. But the Fannie Mae mortgage document references that if the escrow's waived, the customer's gotten the statement mm. about the breach of that. So it's an interesting twist on you could be reading TILA for the TRID rule, but don't forget what it says in the body of mortgage about an escrow waiver disclosure. So you still need to have that. It's not just the best practice. It's part of the mortgage document. So those are my three big TRID tips for the day, for the week, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I made it without uh, coughing, but I'm really sorry I sound all stuffy, but we'll, we'll uh, have fun talking. You don't sound that bad. <laughs> you really don't sound that bad. Uh, so it's, uh, right. it's, it's so good to have you here and look forward to have you participate in the dialogue with Donna because it's very fascinating. Appreciate you, Alice, so much. Again, good to have you back. And uh, did Andy get do a good job of fishing or did he, were you vacationing where there's, there's got to be vacation or something, you know, he, it's either golf or fishing with him. Uh, or at least there was, and you know, who knows yeah. what he's taking up. He's, he is a man's man. So anyone who knows Alice's husband, Andy, uh, is what a man's man, just a kick to be around. And so you had a good vacation and you're back. 
We did. We had a great time. Uh, did get a little fishing in, and it was uh, just beautiful out on Lake Michigan. I rec- highly Wait, recommend it for anybody. I had to bring a coat. It was 82 degrees, and I was freezing. See, we're used to it. was 20 degrees. It was 20, It was 84 there. I said it was at one point, I think it was, they said a high of 84 today. I go, my gosh, that's 20 degrees cooler than it is here back in here in Texas. I thought I needed a coat. It was just unbelievable to go outside and feel those temperatures and going, oh, yeah. But then we harass you around January, February, March and going, oh, yeah, going golfing this afternoon. So anyway, we won't get into that, but it's good to have you back (laughs) and love Pure Michigan. It's a beautiful, beautiful spot and some really great people. When you're talking about the trade, when you talked about them sitting around in a room, that's exactly what's going on at Ross Morgan's, one of their conference rooms, the the, the situation room, as you know it so well, they were in there and I heard them actually quote, well, but Alice said, and oh, so they were <laughs> quoting you on something they were going back and forth on. So you may want to stop back in, but they do a great job of sorting it all out. But thanks for the introduction to all the great people. You've been so instrumental to getting me introduced to that market. Such wonderful people there in the pure Michigan state. So good to have you back, Alice. Thank you. Folks, we're going to be right back with Sam Garcia. He's got a lot of updates and stories. Again, if you're not checking out Mortgage Daily, check it out. But let's be right back. We'll be right back right after this brief break. If you have questions about mortgage regulations, Indicom Mortgage U has free answers. If you need ideas about how to reinvent your organization, Indicom Mortgage U will share great ideas. When you need help at any step of the loan process, give us a call or send an email. The Indicom team of experts have been helping mortgage players from origination through servicing for over 30 years. Your success is our focus. Whether it's a quick question or long-term support, portfolio, conventional, or government lending, it's a competitive market. So let Indicom Mortgage U give you the edge. Ah, yes. Indicom gives you the edge. Get a hell of Alice's training. Some of the best stuff out there. E-learning. Check it out. Alice Alvey's website. Sam Garcia. Sam Garcia. So good to have you back on the broadcast. Love your website, dude. Man, I'm sitting here looking at all the stuff going on. I was looking for my coffee cup because I was going to read it during the break. And I don't, I'm having a crisis here. My coffee, I left it at the coffee. I'm turning 65 next broadcast, next Monday. And uh, I, I think something's happening with the brain cells. So when you make a fresh cup of coffee and you leave it in the coffee machine, and I love that holding on to that during the broadcast, but we got you here. So it makes you feel all the same. So it's like all the news stories, it's like having a good cup of coffee. What you got for us today, Sam? Well, it'd help if I turn on your microphone, those little details. There you are. Oh, I got your mic on. Yeah, we don't have any coffee crisis here, but we do have some. <laughs> we have a microphone crisis. Yeah. Oh, good to hear All you, right, friend. the, the uh, mortgage market index was uh, down 3% last week, and, and that index is a, an indication of upcoming loan originations based on average per-user price locks by open-close clients. Mm. Um, that business uh, was down, and out front of all that, that decline was ARM business. It was actually down 17% from a week earlier, and I'm sure uh, some rate activity had some uh, impact on that kind on ARM activity. So, uh, the Mortgage Bankers Association put out their uh, their recent economic forecast for the third quarter uh, of this year, and they're projecting that refinances are going to reach 127 billion in the significance of that number is that they only projected 108 billion a month earlier so they raised their forecast yeah, by 19 billion for the third quarter we've seen refinance activity stronger than was anticipated originally over at the FHA uh, FHA endorsed 26.6 billion in residential loans uh, during June that was up a quarter from May so it was a healthy increase 
and that volume includes single-family loans, uh, home equity conversion mortgages, and Title I loans. And uh, another good piece of information out of uh, FHA was that the 30-day delinquency rate fell 31 basis points from the first quarter to 12%. That includes foreclosures and bankruptcies. Um, the the uh, Inc. 5000 list of fastest-growing privately held companies was put out, and uh, we took a look at that list. And we saw that the highest-ranking mortgage-related firm on that list was Residential Bank Corp. Mm. Uh, that company had 20, uh, almost 22 billion, or not billion, I'm sorry, 22 million dollars yeah. in, in 2014 revenue, and that represented growth over the three years that they're comparing of 1,349 percent. So that was Whoa. the highest-ranking, highest-ranking mortgage-related firm on that list, and they they were actually number 746 on the full list. So there wasn't a lot of representation of uh, 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 of mortgage firms in the lower part, but uh, um, and and. Loan Depot was also on that list. Uh, they were actually number 746, I apologize. And the significance of them is they had uh, $538 million in reported revenues for 2014. Pretty hefty for a uh, privately owned firm. Yeah, no um, kidding. There was a company uh, known as Urban Fulfillment. Um, they're actually laying off 200 people in Colorado. Uh, that's based on a warrant filing that we got from the state. And that company provides services to the mortgage industry. Um, and finally, on our list of uh, highlighted stories here is that there is a uh, $1.2 billion uh, portfolio of non-performing Freddie Mac loans for sale. So the company's selling them, and they noted in their announcement that they are serviced by Aquin. Hmm. Lots of uh, anecdotal notes you can make about that little story, uh, but it looks like they're getting rid of the last of it. Delinquencies are down substantially from where they have been. That's contributing to the inventory issues, which is probably going to continue to keep property values uh, pretty stable, even though if, if interest rates, you know, if I keep saying that, you know, most likely will go up here uh, sometime as the Fed monetary policy changes. So we could uh, see some interesting days ahead. Good, good stuff on this website. Again, uh, so many people, Sam, I, they're, they're saying, hey, Dave, where can I go get some data? Where do I get about this or that? And I'm always referring them over to Mortgage Daily. Without question, Mortgage Daily has got some of the greatest data that's out there. And uh, in, in addition, there's some excellent news stories. So I, I encourage people to check it out. So get a hold of Sam Garcia. You can reach him at samgarcia at mortgagedaily.com. Check out the website, www.mortgagedaily.com. Or call Sam, 214-521-1300. Great guy and a great production, a great product that he has um, helping us all stay informed of what's going on. Sam, appreciate you joining us today. It's always fun to have you on. Have a great day. Great hot day up there today. We're dealing with the hot days and all. Yeah, yeah. I enjoy being on the show. Thank you, David. Make sure we're all good here. I lost Sam there a little bit. I'm wondering if we lost a couple others. I'm going to switch over to another microphone as we get ready to go live. I'll play this ad. We're going to be back live with Donna Peoples. I'll be right back. Mortgage Banking Solutions is the preeminent management consulting firm to the residential mortgage lending industry. No other firm in the U.S. offers the menu of services or the level of expertise to the industry. If you're looking for help converting from best efforts to hedging or need help with bookkeeping to know your profit per loan, if you are interested in making the transition from broker to banker, or if you just need a roadmap for success, Mortgage Banking Solutions' primary focus is to enable executives to take their business to the next level and guide them down a path towards success and profitability. With over 300 
combined years of experience in all facets of mortgage lending, the Mortgage Banking Solutions team of professionals has the expertise and know-how to help you accomplish your goals. New Warehouse Lines of Credit, broker-to-banker transitions, transitioning to hedging, financial and accounting services, or meeting your capitalization needs. If you need help with these or any other aspects of your business, please contact a Mortgage Banking Solutions sales team to see how we can help you at 512-977-9900. It's 512-977-9900. Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. So good to have you with us, everybody. I switched microphones here. Hopefully you can hear me. Can you hear me all right, Alice and Joe? Is it coming through? Uh, yeah, you sound good. All right. Yeah. yeah. Was, the other one, was the other one working still? I wasn't sure. I, I, I wasn't getting feedback, and I wasn't hearing Sam, so I was right towards the end. I was going, uh-oh, better, better switch out here just again. So back with the old pop phone line system. That's the one we're working with right now. But anyway, good to have you all with us. Again, it is Monday. It is the 17th. For those of you that are downloading this broadcast, we have a special guest with us, Donna Peoples, who I met uh, you know, uh, recently by reading some articles and picked up the phone, and I was really impressed with the innovation in those articles. And I reached out to her, and then in hearing her story, I realized that you know what uh, impact she had at the turnaround of United Guarantee. So it was really good to you know connect with her at many levels, and then understand what she's about. Uh, she is an industry leader. She is a change. I love this in her in her bio. She puts this as change visionary. She's an engagement engineer. Dear God, I love that idea. I want to hear how you engage with. You know, when, and you'll hear about that, what she, what she did in engaging with you know, United Guarantee in a minute. But then, my, of all of them, journey strategist. Because we look at our journey, our, our journey in our careers, especially when we have it as fast-paced, changing as what's going on in our industry right now, it is, it's really important that you have a journey strategist. So um, be sure to check out Donna's website. It's at www.donnapeoples, spelled P-E. E P L E S dot com. Good to have you with us, Donna. I just want to make sure that you can hear us all right and your mic is on and working. Thank you, David. I'm glad to be here. And hello to Sam and Alice and Joe. Sorry I'm missing Paul today. Yes, we're missing Paul, but he's just uh <laughs> you know, we, we let him go once in a while. He's such a fun guy to have on the broadcast. They're all everyone's fun. I miss I just the blend of personalities that we have here is just so something special. But Donna, well, I got I got hooked on listening to you guys um, when I was in the mortgage insurance business. But it's always informative, and uh, just really enjoy the show. Well, appreciate it. You you have been an extensive background in P and L responsibility. You've inspired change throughout the business um, world for a long time, offering you know a number of uh, of changes in variety to a variety of industries and the innovative ideas that you've brought to this and. You know, you're a very versatile strategist with a keen sense of market, what market timing, where to go, how to position yourself. And I'm really interested in getting into that discussion of your background. And I really would like to start with um, what is, I think, one of the most amazing turnarounds. And some people say, well, yeah, but it was AIG and they got a, you know, a government bailout. You mean you could get enough money out of it. But that's not – it really discounts and the, the phenomenal effort that went into turning around a business. Just getting a bailout doesn't do it in itself. It's really the people and, and really then what goes into that. So I, I want to start with that, if we could. In the innovative ideas, again, we're doing a series of broadcasts on innovation. I'd like to get into the innovative ideas that you employed, you and your executives, 
when you joined United Guarantee and were assigned the task of getting that company back up to where they're at now, number one, four years in a row, being the number one MI company in the United States. How did it happen, Donna? Well, let me just first say, you know, I mean, kind of rolling back the clock, what an amazing and exciting time it was for us all who were in and around financial services. You know, if, if you think back, and I joined the industry at a time that was post-crisis but pre-payback, um, and, you know, I mean, at this time, if you remember, you know, a lot of work done at the regulatory level. In fact, there were a lot of questions at the time around mortgage insurance being a viable industry in and of itself. So, yeah. you know, right. the, the opportunities were huge, but the challenges were equally as large. And I must say, in making the leap from one industry, which happened to be energy for me at the time, another uh, industry that was undergoing a lot of disruption and change and continues to today. Um, it, it was one of those things where, you know, it, it felt like the company, uh, in particular, you know, AIG, United Guarantee, and all of the affiliates and subsidiaries really felt like, you know, it was time to really look inside themselves and reinvent themselves, make them better. Um, and the team that was assembled was probably was the most extraordinary team that I've ever had the pleasure to work with. Uh, not let's only the senior bit. team. Yeah, let's talk, I want to interest you talking about that senior team and some of the changes yep. that took place. Sometimes you have to make some pretty painful changes and cuts. I mean, some people have to go. It's not that they're bad people, but talk about that. Who brought that team together? You were a part of that senior team. You were the one, one of the ones that they brought in. If you could talk, what was the innovation around that gathering of the people that made the difference? Well, at the time, you know, the mandate had been to, you know, create a model that turned the company around, made it profitable, and also met the needs of so many customers out there who were struggling, along with, you know, everybody else in the right. in the industry and in the country. And so it was really amazing that the team that was assembled came from different industries. You know, some of them were from financial services, some of them were insurance, but so many of them, like myself, came from completely different industries with completely new perspectives on how to go about instrumental uh, change and transformation around the company. So it was uh, it was just a, an amazing time. And, you know, one of the things that we did first, you know, that you and I talked about was really, it sounds very basic, but really identifying who are your customers and understanding them first. And, you know, yeah, customers that's, that's come in all shapes and sizes. And I think that's one of the things that you, your hallmark for is knowing and understanding your customers. How did you, how did, was there confusion on who their customer was? Was that it? Or was it that you brought clarity to it? Expound out a little bit on that as it relates to the United Guarantee story. Well, you know, the the, uh, the employees there were doing already extraordinary work in trying to identify the different segments of customers that we had. And, you know, one of the things that we set about doing is understanding that, you know, customers aren't just policy numbers. So, you know, there's a strata, a universe out there of people who may be our end-use customers, but also those people out there who are influencing our success on a daily basis. And 
So we created a, a, a stakeholder universe that went all the way from, you know, the most basic, the first customer being your own employee, all the way out to the general public. And it included the regulators, the lawmakers, the professional associations, the analysts, the vendors, you know, you name it. There's a whole universe out there and you have to be consistent and stay on the same page and know what you stand for. So that's really where we started and identifying the, the customer's journey, getting out of our own focus group of one, out of our own head, to try to identify where did we have those gaps and opportunities to improve not just the customer service side of things, but the, the broader experience. One of our listeners just texted me a quick note, says, what was Donna's role there at that time? Because it is impressive to, to see, but as it relates to this, what was your position there? I was actually a chief marketing officer there and uh, just was uh, so happy to uh, to join that team back in 2011 actually wow it was a great time Susan King is one of my favorite people there's so many people I I have there you know Susan is just one of my favorite favorite people though she is just so special oh yeah uh, Susan and Dave Mobier and Peter May and Greg Hare and uh, I could go on forever and what a what a great leader Donna DeMeo is over there now so yeah, and and the next thing we did, David, was really, you know, I talked a little bit about the employees, and since you bring up Susan and the other extraordinary talent there still today, is that, you know, my job coming in from the outside, I felt like was really to listen to what was the essence of that company, what 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 did the brand want to be known for, and at the time, it came through loud and clear that that company was not only different, it wanted to make a difference. And, you know, what an honor it was to be able to put together the messaging. And, you know, your branding starts with those employees that are coming down the elevator at 5 o'clock in the afternoon and, you know, go all the, all the way up to the CEO. So uh, really understanding what their message was and implementing that on a daily basis. And, and I'm happy to say I was there uh, not too long ago, last year, and uh, it, it really stuck. And it stuck because it is who they truly are. And just extraordinary. Well, let's talk a little bit about expounding that. When you say employees always, how did that actually? Yeah. Uh, you know, everyone says we're employees are the most important part, it's the most important asset. But there's there's mistakes. Right. There's people that are being more effective at connecting with their employees. So, what is it that they that United Guarantee, the management team, did back then to make employees always that phrase be more meaningful and connect with them and and you know, an interesting statistic, as an anecdotal note before you answer that, is that 70%, there's a recent study that, and fairly consistently coming back as different ones do the study, that 70% of the workforce are disengaged, which means they don't feel the importance of being a part and they don't feel they're contributing. What did you do to make that difference? Well, first of all, recognizing that there is an employee journey that runs right alongside the customer's journey and how strong an influence those employees have on the customer's journey and their success day to day. So really mapping out everything from how do you attract the very best talent, how do you engage them, how do you performance manage them, how do you make sure that the goals are aligned and cascade down through the organization to maintain that focus, how do you reward the right behaviors for doing the right things, and how do you create a path so that those top performers have career pathing and expectations around where they are going next and how they can make a bigger contribution. So, you know, I think so many times 
you know, especially from the observations that I've had in so many industries, people on the front line who ironically are the embodiment of the company's brand on a daily basis, as surely as the CEO speaking to the analyst conference is, but they do it every single day. They want to do the right thing, but they just need to be given the skills and the tools to make sure that they have everything they need to make those happen. So it's, it really is a commitment to the employee top to bottom throughout the company and throughout their journey as an employee. That is, that is so important, and you see how different companies achieve that. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the clock, and there's several other points, but I want to throw the mic to Alice and Joe to see if they have any questions or comments at this point in, in the, where we're covering. Um, Alice? Alice is. I'm surprising. I should give her more heads up. She's sitting with trying to scramble to find her mute button. <laughs> oh, I, I'm here, Dave. Sorry about that. I wasn't sure if Joe was going to go first or not. So, um, well, I think the ladies first. We're, we're gentlemen here in Texas, so go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to be anyway. So, um, the I think like you. I think just like you all mentioned, you need to kind of know your customers, um, but that's easier said than done. So. Um, and in the mortgage insurance space, you know, what differentiates your customer or differentiated it for United Guarantee versus any other mortgage insurance company? Well, and uh, thank you, Alice, for that question. And again, it was 2011. We were in a different point in our history than the company certainly is now. And I applaud them on their continued success. Every time I look up, I see that they've done something new and extraordinary. But, you know, in this world where regardless of the business you're in, your products and services are regarded as a commodity, you layer on top of that the additional pressure that we're all judged against a horizontal of service and product expectation right now. So it's not about looking so much towards what your competition is doing as it is toward disrupting and creating a new space. Now, that can come in the form of a new product or a new service or a new technology. It, it can be a new pricing strategy. Um, it can be M&A activity or it can be a spinoff that leverages core competencies. So it's really staying ahead of the curve and understanding that you know your customers are comparing you to their last best or worst experience, not necessarily who you've always historically thought of as your competition. And I think that's what the leadership team at United Guarantee and at other companies that I've worked with have done to be successful at innovating in their space. Well, that Joe, I'd let you jump in here. I'm looking at the clock. I yeah. got a bunch of things I want to cover, but I want to hear Yeah, you Donna, you, you mentioned that uh, you came from outside uh, the mortgage industry, and, and others did as well to, to build this team, to put this team together. Mm-hmm. How important was that for you to come in with Great fresh question. eyes and, and, you know, to be able Great to see question. things maybe differently and, and improve it? Well, I think it's always important. You know, we get to the best answers by putting together teams of people who have different approaches and different experiences and different educations and, you know, all, all the the wonderful things that diversity Represents, but I think more than ever at that particular moment in time, you know, after what not only the the country but the global economy had been through, I think you know, having somebody to come in with a completely fresh perspective was a really important part in combination to that success of that team. 
and the leadership too. I don't want to minimize the leadership at all. It was just, it was an extraordinary place to be. It was, you know, like living in a test tube and we were, you know, trying things. We were, uh, you know, iterating and we were just, it was just such a, uh, a creative group of people to be working with. To Joe's point, do you think that what didn't make a difference having people come in from outside the industry to work on something within this industry? Do you think it was that was significant and a big contributing factor? I think it was a great, great question, Joe. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was. Now, you know, uh, many of us too, keep in mind, came from highly regulated industries, so we had sensitivities yeah. towards you know some of the hurdles that had to be overcome, but. Um, but having somebody who was unfettered because, you know, I've always been taught that if you don't think beyond where it is you want to go, you never get to where you want to go. So yep. having somebody to remove a lot of the the barriers to thinking coming out of the crisis, I think, was an important combination to the success of the team. Talking about developing and implementing new service strategies, that's something that you did there but you're also consulting on it to other industries now. So give us some insights into how do you develop some new implement. We need some. We need some new uh, <laughs> new service strategies here because uh, we, we've got some. We've got stuck in the Fannie Freddie FHAV right. product mix here, and, and so we're seeing efforts of new products developing. But for those that are trying to bring products and services forward, what was your recommendations for developing them and implementing them successfully? Well, it's, uh, you know, it it really kind of boils down to people, process, technology, and culture. And, and we've talked a little bit about those things. And the mechanics of it, whether it's embodied in products or services or pricing, what you really need to do is think about the world in a more connected way than you've ever thought about it before. And, and what that means is designing an experience for customers and other intermediaries that you're dependent on that is an end-to-end experience that is easy, that is memorable, and that is successful for whomever you regard as your customer in that interaction. And then the really hard part is do it consistently. You know, right. I mean, you look around and you experience yourself. You have these absolute moments and pockets of brilliance that is, are, are that exist, <laughs> you know, in whoever you're doing business with. But you know, you'd rather be consistently good. Than right. sporadically right. brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. There's the sporadically brilliant. There's there's different times where I've had that, and then but I've learned <laughs> the value of consistent, and that's why I just value the people on this broadcast. I mean, and surrounding yourself with people like that. So w- was this about when it comes to how important? This is a rhetorical question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is how important are the people in developing, implementing those strategies to that? Is it really developing a plan? And how much did you go outside the group? It's another way to ask questions to bring in the feedback. As you were implementing it, how it was? I just want yeah, to I mean, that, Donna. It would just no. people that do things inside the <laughs> management silos, and, and that I don't think that was what's going on there. You were really involving the field people, and that's why you met people like Susan King and, and the staff. There. Oh yeah, talk a little bit about that. Oh yeah, well, I mean, th- those people—they yeah, were the experts. You know, certainly not me coming in from the outside, and I treat it that way in any work that I do. And then, you know, really engaging the customer and the influencers, you know, creating the advisory councils, creating the affinity programs that, you know, reward those behaviors that we need, and really listening to the employees who are doing the interactions 
learning from them and having them be part of the redesign and then doing some testing too, some very thoughtful and deliberate testing, you know, Talk yeah. about that testing. A lot of people don't understand that concept. <laughs> we're we're launching TRID, and there's a lot of people talking. I'm not sure how many people are testing. But anyway, go ahead. Expand on the testing com- com- concept a little bit, please. Well, you know, having a small group to to test your theories on, to test your new technologies on, is so valuable and saves so much time, effort, and energy on the backside, and you know, you've heard it, I've used it before, you can fail fast that way and then move on to something better, an improvement in what it was you're trying to do. But through testing, I mean, I don't know a better way to get better at what it is you're doing in an iterative way. And and this really brings us to the the fourth point that you really are key on Mm -hmm. and noted for is aligning leadership. What does that mean, aligning leadership? Right. Well, you know, it's. I think about organizations that, you know, it, I said it earlier, having that senior endorsement, that that senior push down from the top is so important because the good news is, you know, people at, at the front line, people at the bottom of the organization, they want to do the right thing. They just need those right tools and skills that we talked about earlier. The problem is with aligning your organization, there's this frozen middle a lot of times that you have to work your way through. And so that organizational friction created from the top down and the bottom up is really the best agent to thaw that frozen middle. And okay. it it helps to align the leadership and it's making decisions. It, it's having not only an understanding of the vision and what it is you're trying to accomplish and the results you're trying to deliver for the business. It's also having agreement up front on things that seem more trivial than, you know, this big vision, like the metrics, because if you don't understand and agree to a baseline, you can't measure and agree to the impact that you've had or not. So, you know, it's about rolling up your sleeves, getting in there, and making sure that you have a common understanding and agreement on where it is you're at and where you want to go. I I want one of the articles I want to talk in with the time that we have left and it's just amazing how fast the clock goes when you get into these hot topic segments and you get so much fun dialogue into everything <clears throat> but I really want to focus on what you're seeing out there in across all industries as some of the most innovative themes now there's the article that I read that just I, I think you're a brilliant writer I love how you write your art compose your articles I, as I do more Thank writing I'm really appreciate someone who writes well, and you do. And I read that article on drones, and part of it's <laughs> some new technology I'm enamored with. want to get one for Christmas here. But um, and you looked at that. You wrote a great article, and it was a while back. It was back when the, our, the drones were first coming out, and you were talking about this is one idea of what I want to go to next as we wrap up the broadcast, and that is what innovation are you seeing out there? You talked about how drones are being used for insurance settlements, how um, how drones are being used for different aspects i put on there how drones could start be using being used by appraisers and then i wondered is there a date coming where an appraiser you know he sends out a drone from his office and it goes and does a survey and i think wait a minute hitch how how do they uh how do they knock on the door to get in and do the interior pictures and then one of your one of your people who's following your blog wrote and says no they do what santa claus does they come down the chimney and i crack but 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 really, what, how do we? What are the things that are really innovative that you see are related to the financial industry, financial services, specific mortgage that you think we should be paying attention to, Donna? 
Well, I think uh, insurance, I, I think about it in, in three categories. One, one is drones. As a matter of fact, I'm just fascinated by them because uh, I think they're, they're as, I mean, they're, they would be a great pet for me as much as I travel, uh, probably better than a puppy, although I'd love to have a puppy. But the, uh, the drone technology already being implemented in tests by so many companies out there, everything from, you know, property casualty damage during an incident through the appraisals is just, I think that's going to, that's going to be a game changer for uh, insurance. The other thing though, Dave, that I really am uh, interested in are the driverless cars. You know, I, I, I wonder about, you know, human error and the part that it plays in the accidents that occur for auto insurance. The, um, the other big category I think about, and I, and I had the opportunity to speak with the pharmaceuticals industry about customer experience earlier this year, are the, wear, uh, the wearables and, you know, yeah. the changes that that industry is going to make on, you know, health care and well care. Um, so I think, yeah, technology is going to move at an increased velocity. And, you know, you you had said it in a conversation we'd had before, you know, insurance is, you know, it's low interest, low involvement by choice and not always known to be on the bleeding edge of innovation. But I think that world is about to change so dramatically. Um, you're going to see insurance, you know, rise above so many other industries and really take the lead in using some of this technology to the benefit of not only their companies, but first and foremost, their customers. Well, let's get out and I'm going to wrap it up by tossing the mic over again to Alice. And if there's any questions you would have for Donna and then head over to Joe after that. So, Alice, as you start thinking about different innovations, especially you're doing a lot of innovative things, Donna. I mean, Alice, in, for example, um, in the training and the e-learning systems. And there's a lot of innovation going on. Any questions you have for Donna that, you know, as you're developing some of the products and implementing these new service strategies you have that you would like to ask? Well, I think, um, so uh, Donna, I think uh, on the technology side, you know, for the, um, how it might relate for the mortgage insurance side, I'm uh, still trying to kind of wrap my arms around the role that they may play. Certainly we um, are working with mortgage insurance providers for education, right? Um, because mm -hmm. that is an mm -hmm. area that lenders look to kind of get something in return. So maybe that's more along my, my, as I'm thinking through the technology, it seems like the MI companies have to come up with something that they're giving away to the lenders all the time right, to get their <laughs> business. <laughs> so what is that in technology? I guess I want to kind of see if you might divulge a little bit more. What kind of technology should a, a lender expect from their mortgage insurance provider? Maybe you have to connect that dot for me. Well, you, you know, you talked about uh, training in particular, and uh, we also are looking a lot at virtual reality and how do we think about um, applying that technology to the training environment. I mean, you, you think about, you know, the dollars that are spent in training and towards creating a, a simulated experience I don't know if you've had the opportunity to take a look at some of the, the virtual rea reality technology, but it is truly incredible. I mean, everything from, you know, surgical procedures to adjusters and, you know, everything in between. So, you know, I would look at that. Unfortunately, um, we know that, you know, so many companies, not just exclusive to, to insurance or mortgage insurance by any stretch, but, 
you know, so many companies have uh, grown through mergers and acquisitions, and they're struggling right now with just connecting their technology. So some of this, um, some of the more forward things may take a little more time, but um, but I think that connection, you know, making those connections is is equally as critical, and understanding how to how to connect. Uh, disparate systems and, you know, create a one version of the truth for the employees and the customers who are being run through that that organization is another challenge, not so technical um, or, or cutting edge as wearables and virtual reality, but equally as important, I think. Joe, let's get over to you and get, as we look up, client calendars running out. Well, I was, I was going to ask about that. I was going to ask about <laughs> virtual reality, but it made me think, well, uh, why not hypnosis or subliminal learning? I mean, you, <laughs> yeah. you, you go very I like deep there. <laughs> My wife's tried that for a long time. It has it failed on me. <laughs> subliminal to hit me with the bat. So that's the direct con- connection there. But that's good, Joe. That's good. But I mean, no, seriously. I mean, where where do we see the visual? I mean, where where do we see the learning? And you look at the, the some of the uh, virtual reality, and it's we 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 kind of smirk at it we kind of laugh and we got to go yeah how are you going to use that in mortgage what do you do put a set of glasses and watch someone underwrite a file but you start looking at what is being done that's where the it's the innovators and they're looking for those nuances in this latest technology and there are some things you can do that are extraordinary and those are the companies and i think the insurance companies are going to be one of the ones that can help bring that forward and bring that out into market. So that's, I'm just looking at our clock. We're just flat out of time. So, Donna, it's so good to have <laughs> you having been with us. Appreciate you joining Thank us. Thank you all. And I'm glad you made it to New York last week safe and sound. I'm glad we were able to get you back on and work it out for you to join us this week. So, everybody, we appreciate it. We've had as our special guest Donna Peoples. She is um, very much probably, probably one of the more exciting people working out there and doing things related to change and visionary. She's a change visionary engagement engineer and journey strategist. If you want to get to know hold of her and have her get involved in your business, check her out at www.donnapeoples, P-E, there's two E's in there, Donna, P-E-E-P-L-E-S.com. Check it out. Appreciate you, Donna, being with us. I'm looking also at the markets, Joe, and we are seeing where we're at right now as we exit the program, and it looks like yes. we're just uh, it's we're a very quiet day a after bit. after yeah. the early rise. We've stayed between uh, up four and up eight thirty seconds. Right now, we're at uh, up five thirty seconds on the day. Well, it's good to good to have you be here. Check out all of the the sites here, Alice. Good to have you back. Hope you're feeling better by next week. It's my birthday. We're going to be having on Howard Lax. It's a Howard Lax, isn't it? That's the attorney, Alice, that we're going to be interviewing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. Howard is going to be talking about MSAs. Big news out there. A lot of people are talking about. There's companies out there that are being heavily looked into, and that are heavily in the MSA strategy. So we're going to get Howard's commentary on it. Alice listened to him speak at the Michigan Mortgage Lenders Association. She said, Dave, we got to get this guy on. So we are. We're going to have to pre-record it, unfortunately, but we'll play it on next week's broadcast. Good to have you with us, everybody. Have a great rest of the week, and we'll look forward to having you back here next week. This has been Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lincoln of Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Today's guests were Joe Farr from MBS Line, Andy Shell of Mortgage Banking Solutions, and Alice Alvey, President CMB of Mortgage U. Come by next week and thank you for listening. 